from the TWU Local 591 Studio in Colleyville, Texas. It's the ASAP Tech Ops Association podcast with your host, Brad Brueger. Take it away, Brad. Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. We have a guest today from St. Louis University, Dr. Terry Kelly. I'd like to uh, start out by having Dr. Kelly lay out a little bit of his background and the work that they do. So if you could, Terry, tell us a little bit about where you're at, the work you do, kind of your bio for everybody listening. Thank you, Brad. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I'm Terry Kelly. I'm a professor in the Department of Aviation Science here at St. Louis University in, in Parks College, our engineering and aviation school. I've been on the faculty here at St. Louis University for over 30 years, and I've spent the entirety of my career in aviation, both in teaching and in research. I, I started uh, life as an A&P mechanic early, early in my career, a long time ago, and uh, decided that mechanics work very hard and I better go back to school. So I went and I got a bachelor's degree in aircraft maintenance management, followed by a master's degree in safety systems. I uh, came onto the faculty here at SLU and taught in our 147 program for many years and then transitioned over to the undergraduate and graduate teaching responsibilities. I uh, completed a uh, PhD. I actually have a dual specialization PhD uh, with specialization in human factors and a second specialization in socio-technical systems. I completed a graduate minor in research methodologies and statistics to round out my education. Uh, the coursework that I teach is uh, both at the undergraduate and graduate level. I'm the safety person, so I teach all of the safety-related coursework in our aviation program. I teach a course called Safety Management Systems. I teach the accident investigation. Uh, I teach human factors, my, my specialty. I'm also one of the advisors in the PhD program, so I uh, chair dissertation committees and help students to complete their dissertations leading to the uh, master's and the PhD degree, dissertation for the PhD degree. That's awesome. I guess one one thing before we really get rolling, and you have done some work with us before at the TWU. Maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the work you do outside of St. Louis University with the aviation industry. My, my work outside of the university, well, quasi- outside of the university involves uh, research and consulting work. I've, I've certainly worked with my friends at American Airlines for many years, both providing research in the area of safety, uh, worked on the SMS program, worked on uh, safety culture extensively uh, with American. I've also consulted with other carriers in different areas of safety, primarily in the maintenance area, but I've also worked to examine organizations' flight deck safety. But my, my overall expertise really lies in the area of evaluating or benchmarking safety culture within organizations and then working with the organization to develop strategies for improvement. Very good. 
So I'm going to ask a few questions and, and I think it's so just so everybody knows, we're going to do a two part podcast. And so for the first part, I really want to focus around our ASAP programs. I guess my, my first question, and, and it probably is going to tie into my second question a little bit based on your answer, but what's the benefit of an ASAP program? First of all, let's just talk about that. What's the benefit when you're talking about safety culture and airlines and air travel and what's the benefit of an ASAP program in your mind? Well, I think it's kind of twofold. The first benefit of ASAP is learning. Uh, you know, it's, it's critical that, that safety is managed, managed uh, in a proactive way. It's problematic when we have high consequence activities and we, we simply wait for things to happen and react to them. I would suggest that the, the first benefit of ASAP is to allow the community, both labor and management, to develop a deeper understanding of what's actually happening with respect to safety in the organization. It puts a tool in the hands of mechanics and pilots, those front-line workers that can be used as a tool for educating the organization on where the evolving hazards exist within the organization. This is especially critical during, you know, dynamic times. Certainly now would qualify as, as being dynamic in that, you know, organizations are changing uh, and they're changing very quickly. And I think the best case for an ASAP program is to generate understanding based on the observations of those frontline workers. The second benefit of ASAP tags on to the first benefit in that it allows for strategic decision-making in how to develop mitigation strategies. You know, we're, we're able to identify where the hazards are. Most ASAP programs afford the reporter the opportunity to provide some commentary surrounding the problem, and that can really serve as the basis for developing strategies to mitigate the risk associated with the hazard. So, you know, it's a learning tool for the organization, and it's really the base from which, you know, strategic interventions can be developed. Very good. I guess my second question as a frontline employee, what should motivate me to participate in an ASAP program? I think that's a great question, and I think there's many different responses I could give you. You know, ASAP programs are about risk management, and uh, this not only speaks to airworthiness safety, but also to personal safety. In the end, it's altruistic, meaning that it's the right thing to do. My experience is that these mechanics who, who are on the front line are professionals. Their commitment to airworthiness safety is unyielding. And this is another tool in their hands to maintain and improve airworthiness safety. A second connected issue is personal safety. As I said, I believe mechanics, you know, they're uncompromised in their desire to provide airworthiness safety. Where they take risk is in their own personal safety. That's been my observation. And so, you know, an ASAP program 
would help to educate the organization on those risks that mechanics are taking and, again, provide these strategies to minimize the risk associated with those activities. Looking at the, the work as accomplished versus the, the work as uh, planned and trying to make sure that those are really the same thing. I think another good reason is uh, an ASAP program really demonstrates and exercises safety ownership. Everybody should own safety within an organization. And an ASAP program is a critical tool for enhancing safety. Consequently, it's really in the best interest of all of those frontline workers to embrace ASAP, embrace reporting as a means of improving, you know, airworthiness and personal safety. I spoke a little bit earlier about the notion of professionalism. I think ASAP is closely related to professionalism. I think that, you know, we can, we can develop skill sets for maintaining aircraft, maintaining ground equipment. But as professionals, we go above and beyond the actual practice of a task to the greater practice of the profession. So I think, again, as a, as a professional attribute, I think ASAP is, is really quite important. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about, you know, my opinion on the capacity for ASAP programs to kind of level the playing field with respect to power differentials, you know, labor and management. You know, the, the beauty of an ASAP program is that you have representation on the review committee from management, from the regulator, and from labor. Everybody participates on that committee in a, a fairly level fashion. And so these problems can be addressed from a level perspective. Brad, you and I have talked about my opinions about this notion of good faith practice. You know, we, we try to do the right thing. And I, I think that ASAP programs are instrumental in demonstrating good faith practice of safety. We see hazards and we report them. We let the experts determine whether the risk is acceptable or not. Fantastic. So, Terry, tell me how discipline could affect an ASAP program. If an ASAP program doesn't hold its participants harmless, then, you know, the motivation to report is going to be damaged. You know, ASAP operates on this notion of integrity. Everybody has to practice an ASAP program in good faith. So on one level, it has to hold individuals harmless. Otherwise, there's no motivation to report. And I, I understand caveats associated with recklessness and intentional disregard for safety. You know, that's where the responsibility falls back to, you know, the reporter to be performing their job task in good faith. The, the reality is that punishment is, is simply going to block the flow of communication. Whereas if we have an assumption that people are acting in good faith, there really shouldn't be a need for punishment because errors are going to be simply the result of being a human being. We're all capable of making errors. 
consequently punishing people who report an ASAP program, it's going to do nothing but stymie the flow of information. And uh, those, you know, hazards are going to remain hidden and unchallenged within the environment. Terry, why don't you tell us a little bit about how an ASAP program fits into a safety management system? Brad, that is a very good question. And I think if you examine the overall context of a safety management system, you would see that ASAP programs really make a contribution at every level. Quite obviously, when you look at the process of safety risk management, its, its initial step is in identifying hazards within the system. And frankly, can there be a better formal mechanism for reporting hazards than an ASAP program? I don't think so. Following through in the safety risk management process, the evaluation of the hazard force associated risk and determining whether or not to develop mitigation strategies is a process that, you know, is assumed in part by the review committee. So, again, with respect to safety risk management, ASAP is a perfect fit. With respect to safety assurance, ASAP serves the powerful tool of monitoring whether or not the strategic interventions remain effective. We talk about, you know, reporting hazards, and from those hazards, we may develop intervention strategies. ASAP continues to provide an avenue of measuring whether those intervention strategies are effective, which, of course, is precisely what we're trying to do in safety assurance process. So we've talked about the middle, if you will, of an SMS, safety risk management and safety assurance, but it also is a very good fit for the end. If I look at safety promotion and the overall context of safety culture within safety promotion, an ASAP program empowers the workforce. It lets everyone know that management is listening. They want to hear about the hazards that exist in the system. As a promotional device, many of the strategic interventions coming out of ASAP will come in the form of alerts for training or advisory. So again, it's attached to the safety promotion pillar of a safety management system. And then finally, the remaining component of an SMS, safety policy, well, again, coming out of promotion, the strategic interventions developed in the evaluation of an ASAP report can certainly be used to create policy, to change policy, to adapt policy, to revise policy. You know, again, the beauty of SMS is it's versatile. It recognizes that organizations are constantly under change, and it provides an avenue for that that continuous learning that I spoke about earlier. It provides an avenue for educating and developing those strategies that can make the organization safe. Awesome. Well, I'd like to thank Dr. Terry Keller for sitting with us and talking about ASAP and a little bit about safety culture. And I appreciate your time and all the information you've given us. 
Fred, thank you very much for the opportunity to talk with you today, and I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Thanks for listening. Tune in to the next episode where we're going to take a little bit deeper dive into talking about safety culture and what that really means to us. Thanks again for tuning in. For questions or for more information about this or any of our podcasts, email techopsasap at gmail.com. That's T-E-C-H-O-P-S-A-S-A-P at gmail.com. Music provided under license by Pond5. The Tech Ops ASAP podcast is produced and engineered by Tommy Ingalls.